minor prophet towards the end of the Old Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's page 864 in the Pew Bible. This is going to be our final week in Habakkuk. We're going to finish it out today. There are three chapters, and we've already spent three weeks in Habakkuk, and today we look here. The book takes a big turn, and I think you're going to really enjoy. We've enjoyed the first couple of weeks with Habakkuk's complaining. I think we can identify with him that... uh, He's complaining to God, and when God answers, he just shifts his complaint a little bit and complains a little bit more. We've liked that, and now at chapter 3, Habakkuk shows real faith. He starts praying. If you take all of Habakkuk, chapters 1, 2, and 3, and you look at it, you see that Habakkuk is a little bit up and down wishy-washy in his faith, depending on his circumstances. You know, as a father of little children, I've observed that in them. If they know that things are going really well and they're about to get something good or, uh, you know, we're going to let them eat cookies or play video games, it's unbelievable how polite they become. Yes, sir, please, thank you, yes, ma'am, all of that. But when things aren't going their way, it's almost like they're not as, not as pleasant. And it's easy, really easy for me to say that about them. And I really love my children, and so this is nothing against them. Because as all of us parents know, when we start to see things like that in our kids, we recognize that we're the same way. There's a word for that. It's called being fickle. I don't know if you know the word fickle. It's a good word. I hope you know it. You know what fickle means by definition? Likely to change. That's what it means. Likely to change. Well, it depends on how things go, whether I'm going to be nice or not. It actually depends on how things go, whether I'm going to keep my cool or not in this setting. We're fickle. And it's easy for me to say my children are that way, but it's not as easy for me to admit that I'm that way. And you know where we are mostly that way? Is with our feelings toward God. Habakkuk begins with his complaint to God that he doesn't like the way God is handling his people. Habakkuk doesn't like the way God is handling God's people. Remember, Habakkuk said, they're not living right the way you want them to, and you're not doing anything about it, God. So God tells him what he is going to do about it. He's got destruction coming, big, nasty, ugly judgment and punishment coming. So Habakkuk says, wait a second, God, that's not what you should do. That's worse than my first problem. So now I've got a second complaint. Habakkuk's attitude towards God is one that is not surrendered. It's not faith. God speaks up to him in chapter 2, verse 4, and reminds him that there really is only one way to live in religion, in spiritual life. There's really only one type of true worship, and that is believing God at all costs, believing God in all circumstances, believing God no matter what. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not 
lean on your own circumstances. This is what Habakkuk is learning. And so while it's easy for us to recognize that we are fickle, it's not as easy for us to admit it, especially to admit it when we're talking about God. But at the end of chapter 2, after God had given the five woes, announcements, recognitions of judgment, he says at the end of chapter 2, verse 20, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Either God is God or he is not. Either God knows what he's doing or he doesn't. Either you will fully all out surrender and trust him or you won't. And God is teaching this to Habakkuk. And since Habakkuk is a prophet, it comes to us through the word of God. And he is teaching us that as well. Well, at chapter 3, it all changes. Habakkuk starts praying. He starts praying. I want to give you three short points today. When life is unsettling, when life is unsettling, like Habakkuk saw it unsettling, it was unsettling at first with what he observed, and then it was even more unsettling with what God told him he was going to do about him being unsettled. So his unsettling was uprooted by more unsettling. He was more unsettled. Things seemed to be worse, and life can be that way for us. You and I often are unsettled. We get unsettled about what we see on the news. We get unsettled about our bank accounts. We get unsettled about uh, what's going on with our kids at school. We get unsettled about all sorts of things. We get our feelings hurt, and then we wonder why. Was it their fault or our fault, or how could they? We get unsettled. And so what we have are so many people today living on edge and nervous and not calm and there's not a real peace and there's not a real foundation and we're unsettled. You know what that is. It's like when I get home from work in the afternoon and as soon as you walk in the door you've got something in your hand and a bag over your shoulder and you're bundled up from the freezing cold and there's snow on your shoes and you've got to take a few minutes to unsettle and every kid runs at me and wants a hug and wants me to help them with their homework and wants me to help them build Legos and wants me to do this and wants me to do that and I'm like just chill out, give me five minutes to settle down. It's like we're wanting to tell God, God, I can't be who I'm supposed to be until I settle down. But we never really settle down. We're unsettled. And the book of Habakkuk is letting us know that he also was unsettled. And so my three points today, when life is unsettling, number one, we pray. Number two, we remember, and number three, we trust, and you will see this all right here. Chapter 3, verse 1, Habakkuk says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigenoth. Now, I don't know what that word means. It seems like nobody knows what that word means, but I do know that verse 1 is like an introduction to this prayer. 
In that way, it seems like this prayer from Habakkuk is like a psalm. When you read the psalms, there's often this little title or introduction at the beginning letting you know what it was. And perhaps this prayer of Habakkuk had become so good for the people of Israel that it was also a psalm. It was a song that they knew and had memorized, a song that they sang, a song that helped them when they were unsettled. And I hope that today it will be that way for us. If you read chapter 1, Habakkuk complaining to God and wanting an answer from God, and you read chapter 2, Habakkuk complaining to God and wanting an answer from God and getting a strong answer from God, you see that Habakkuk, like many Christian people, like many people, is unsettled. And chapter 3 shows us what he does. He prays. And I want to ask you practically, literally here at the beginning, do you pray? I know you say you pray, and I know that you think that you pray. Do you pray? Wives, when was the last time he prayed with you? Seriously. Not we're going to pray, or we do pray, or we mean to pray, or we intend to pray, or we would pray if we weren't so unsettled. But when was the last time that you prayed? Kids, when was the last time dad prayed with you? When was the last time? I don't mean some awesome prayer like Josh Womble just did for 10 minutes about kids in Fairdale. I just mean a prayer. Dear God, thank you for these children. Help them to sleep well tonight so that they'll be ready for school tomorrow. Amen. Perhaps the reason why we're unsettled is because we don't believe. And a sign that we don't believe is that we don't pray. If we're not praying, it is the proof that we are trying to convince ourselves, we'll handle it. I can overcome it. I can deal with it. I can get through it. I don't need to ask God for help. Habakkuk, God's man, prayed. Now, instead of you thinking, wow, he's so awesome and spiritual, of course he prayed, he's a prophet in the Bible, let me remind you, he was a complainer to God. So it's not like he is the exemplary man of God, he was complaining and complaining about his complaint and complaining about God's answer to his complaint. So there are a lot of ways that we totally connect with Habakkuk, but he then turns to praying. You know, the Bible teaches us that it is... God's answer to our unsettledness that we pray. Tyson read from Philippians 4 where it says, Do not be anxious or unsettled about anything, but in everything by prayer let your requests be made known to God. If you don't pray or know how to pray, begin by praying, God, I'm unsettled. I just wanted you to know. God, I am unsettled, and I'm reminding myself that you know by telling you that I'm unsettled. When we say pray and the Bible says pray, 
It's not wanting us to be able to sit down for 30 minutes and pray for a hundred different things. It's wanting us to look to God and take our unsettledness to him. Habakkuk does that. When life is unsettling, pray. If you're here today and me saying, men, when was the last time you prayed with your wives or, or, or kids, when was the last time, dad? If that bothers you, then, then I'm sorry. I, I really don't want to bother you. Then I want to help you as a pastor pray. And I don't mean, okay, we're going to have a meeting here and I'm going to coach you in praying. Obviously, you'd never come to that meeting. But I mean, we pray. We have a lot of people that pray. Let me encourage you to find a way to get around prayers so that even from a comfortable distance, you observe some praying. On Wednesday nights, you don't have to pray, but we will encourage people to speak up and pray, and you can hear people pray. I'll never forget a couple years ago, a college student in our church we were at an event, I don't remember if it was a mission trip or a youth camp or something like that, and I didn't know if they could pray out loud. And they spoke up and started praying out loud, the college student did. And afterward I said, hey, I like that. I never heard you pray out loud before. And this is what they said to me. I learned to pray out loud by coming to our church on Wednesday night and hearing other people pray out loud. If you don't like to pray, I get it. Come hear other people pray. Once a month, men gather here for an awesome breakfast, biscuits and gravy, eggs, bacon, the full thing, and then we just sit there and pray. Nobody has to pray, but you get to hear other men pray. There are people that pray, and one of the easiest ways to pray is to get around people that pray. Nobody, I promise you, nobody's going to make you feel uncomfortable. But I know this, if you're unsettled, and if you're like me, we're unsettled, we need to learn to pray. Habakkuk prays. Number one, when life is unsettling, pray. Number two, when life is unsettling, remember. And this is beautiful in Habakkuk's prayer. The bulk, I mean the bulk of Habakkuk's prayer here is him recalling what he knows about God. Look at verse two. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. What Habakkuk is saying here is he's living in the later years of the people of Israel. You know this is towards the end of the Old Testament. This is towards uh, uh, the end of the people of Israel before Jesus comes. There's a 400 year gap before Jesus comes after the end of the Old Testament. But it's towards the end of that. And what Habakkuk is saying is God, I remember when the people of God were often unsettled, but it seemed like you were always coming through, God. Don't y'all remember how the Bible begins? If you've ever read Genesis or Exodus or early books, it's always drama and unsettled and up and down and people doing dumb, sinful things. But God almost always came to the rescue. God intervened. God did a miracle. God did this. That's how the Bible begins, right? You remember those stories. The whole Exodus story is this happens, then God did this. This happens, then God did this. And this happens, and God did this. That's the way the Bible is in so many ways in the beginning. But Habakkuk didn't live then. So what he's saying there at the beginning of his prayer is, God, I've heard all the stuff about how you used to treat the unsettled, disobedient people. God, I fear you and your work. 
but would you now revive it? God, would you get back to like showing up? Would you get back to coming through for your people? God, would you revive what you do when you answer our prayers and hear our cries and fix our situations and settle down our unsettledness? God, would you get back to that? And look what he even prays there at verse 2 at the very end. In wrath, remember mercy. You know why he prays that? Because God's answer to his complaints was, oh, I see it all right, Habakkuk. That's why I'm raising up the Chaldean Babylonians to come and destroy you all. I've got wrath coming for what you're complaining about. And now Habakkuk is not only unsettled by what he sees in his people, Habakkuk is unsettled by what he sees God says he's going to do. Is it not unsettling that the Bible teaches us that God is a judge to all who disobey him? It is. You ought to be a little bit unsettled just thinking about God's going to judge the world. And so Habakkuk, in hearing that, says, in your wrath, which wrath is a good thing from a holy God, he should punish those that should be punished. In your wrath, he prays, remember mercy. Don't think too much about the judgment wrath of God without also knowing that God is a merciful God. God loves us. And God, not only is God the wrathful God, but God is the safety place for the wrath of God. If you don't want to face the wrath of God, run to God. If you don't want to be judged by God, run to God. If you want to be saved, run to God. If you want to be forgiven of the sins that will be uh, judged, run to God. The one who judges is also the one who has mercy. It's the beautiful picture of the gospel. God loves you, so he sent Jesus to die for you. This is all that Habakkuk is praying in verse 2 when he says, in wrath, remember mercy. And then for the next 12, 13 verses, 3 through 15, he's just remembering all the ways that God was working. Read with me. God came from Taman and from the Holy One and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kishon in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers? Or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flesh of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people. For the salvation of your anointed you crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. In beautiful imagery and words and cool language, what Habakkuk's doing there is just recalling the stories from the Old Testament where God is saved. 
He's remembering that God saved through the flood, that God saved through the plagues, that God saved through the Passover, God saved through the Exodus, God saved, God saved, God saved. And in all of these neat ways, the people of God disobeyed, they found themselves unsettled, they cried out to God, and God answered. That is the story of the Old Testament. And Habakkuk is praying to God that he remembers how God is. A wrathful God that has mercy. When life is unsettling, Habakkuk remembered. Are you able to remember? Are you treating whatever you're in today like it's the only thing you can think about? You can't remember how it used to be. And all you can worry about is right now. And you're so controlled by right now. Can you remember that the, that the people that are in your life now were there five years ago? You know, I mentioned a few sermons ago this idea that's become common today where people like walk out of people's lives and never talk to them again and they think that's healthy for them and I just don't get it. One of the things that we really need to understand is people that were in our lives 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, if they're still in our life now, then there's something to be said for them standing by, being there, being present. And you remember that? And it may be a little bit uh, challenging at times, but it's good to remember that they were there. Parents, grandparents, friends. But certainly beyond that, God. Do you remember back when you felt like you didn't know God, when you were far from God, when you weren't in church, when you didn't know his word, you didn't read his word, you didn't listen to his word? Do you remember that? Do you remember what were the circumstances or events that brought you to the place where you turned to God's word, you read his word for the first time, you listened to God's word, it finally began to sound like truth to you, that it was speaking to your heart, that God was working in it? Do you remember that? Are you still there? Have you gotten away from it? Do you remember when you used to pray and now you're kind of wondering why you don't pray or if God pray or if prayer works or if God hears? Do you remember that? Are you able to remember? Do you remember people in your life that you know without a doubt they believed? And now you're wondering whether you believe and you're not remembering that you know that there are people that do believe? You know, I've said this many times here lately, especially on Wednesday nights. It's really common these days for people to like walk away from the faith. And some people that walk away from the faith are absolutely rock solid. I'm done with it, I don't believe. But those are very few. And people that walk away from the faith often aren't strong enough in their unbelief to tell those that do believe, you're wrong. You ought to join me in walking away because that's not true. You, you don't hear much of that. And it's not because they're afraid of confrontation because the people that are believing aren't about to fight them. Any of you all could tell me that you think I'm wrong and I won't fight you. But the reason why those who decide to stop believing don't want to confront those that they know believe is because their unbelief isn't settled. 
It is an unsettling position of life. It's not sure if I believe. You know, it's just not working for me. It seems like God didn't answer my prayers. I'm not really seeing the benefits from it. You know, all that type of stuff, and I get that. But what I'm trying to get you to see, that it's an unsettled position of life. It's certainly not a settled. And perhaps in your unsettled, you ought to do like Habakkuk, and you ought to just take a day or an afternoon and think through, looking back in your life, Who are the people that I thought really did believe? Who were the people that were there for me? Who are the people that show me true love and stand by me? Who are those people? And see if that doesn't do something for your being unsettled. Habakkuk is able to remember what God is like. Has God ever removed your guilt and shame? Has he forgiven your sins? Has he settled you down? Has he brought peace into your heart? Has God cleansed your conscience? If so, remember that. Now, it is very true, we know this, that life is unsettling. So I'm not just saying if life ever gets unsettling for you or if it happens to be unsettling right now, I am saying that, but what is more true is that just generally speaking for everybody, life is unsettling. And so what can, if anything, settle us down? And here's the answer. It's that God is always settled. God doesn't get unsettled. I got a bad habit when I'm really, really unsettled of starting biting my fingernails. And Val tells me it's gross. This is a true story. I was, my first job ever was at the grocery store, bagging groceries. And when you're 14, they don't let you run a cash register. But when you turn 15, you apparently get really more mature. And so they let me start running, they let me start running the cash register. And I'll never forget ringing in the, the groceries. This lady says, young man, you'd be a much more handsome young man if you would stop biting your fingernails. (laughs) True story. I thought, how'd you know I bite my fingernails? And then I looked at them all nibbled off. When I'm unsettled, I'll start biting my fingernails. Just worry and worked up. Now, God never gets that way. God's always at peace and got it under control. When Mary and Martha were unsettled because Lazarus was about to die and they went and got Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus intentionally did not rush there. He was okay with Lazarus dying because not even death unsettles God. He says, It's okay. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he lives. Lazarus believes. It don't matter if he's dead or alive. He's living. And it doesn't matter if you think he's dead or alive. He's living. And I could do either one with it. Jesus was not even taken back by that. And so, you and I, when we are unsettled, need to know God. We need to know right now that the next time we're unsettled, the only settling thing is God. Listen, January just ended, your W-2s are coming in, and you can get your taxes back. 
It's that time of year. And there are so many of us who think, all right, I'm about to get that money, and things are going to be much better. That's a false settling down. It may, and I mean that, it may settle you down for a little bit. But before summer hits, you'll be back unsettled over finances. God is the thing that settles. May you and I know God so that when we're unsettled, we remember him. We remember what he's like. We remember what he's done like Habakkuk does. When life is unsettling, number one, we pray. When life is unsettling, number two, we remember. And when life is unsettling, number three, finally, we trust. Look at verse 16. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet... I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. He is unsettled at what he knows. But the only thing that will settle his nerves is trust. The only thing that will settle him is faith. Him knowing what God had just taught him in Habakkuk 2.4, that the righteous will live by faith. The only thing to settle him down, the only thing to settle us down is faith. And so in verse 17, he ends the prayer like this. One of the best passages in the entire Bible. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Habakkuk says here, the grand teaching of the Bible, even if my situation doesn't improve, I'll trust him. Even if he doesn't fix it, I'll trust him. If unsettled living is characterized by the what-ifs, faithful living is characterized by the even-if. Let me say it again. If unsettled living is characterized by what-if, then Christian living, faithful living, is characterized by even-if. And Habakkuk says this. If all of our agricultural system, if all of the crops, if all of the way that we get food and therefore sustenance and survival and all the ways that we get income from all the farming that we do, if all of that fails this year, if all of our animals and livestock and the farming and all of that fails this year, which basically says a complete economic collapse. Complete, he says. Yet there is one thing and only one thing that I can trust. 
God. And all of those other things are false securities because they settle us when it's going good, but as soon as it's not going good, we are unsettled. We are fickle. Like I recognize in myself, like I said at the beginning, we are that way. And Habakkuk shows us here to take our what ifs and turn it into an even if. So I ask you here at the end, is God enough to settle you? Is God enough? Have you learned to say God is enough? God is enough for us. God is enough for us. We have God. That's all we need. That's all we need. He will take care of us. Is God enough for you? Have you found your identity in Christ where God loves you and your sins have been washed away and dealt with? Do you know that regardless of your sins, God will forgive you of your sins because of his love and because of his mercy? And so you are trusting him that no matter what tomorrow looks like or the next year looks like or the next 20 years looks like, you can say, even if it doesn't change, I will trust him. I wanted a spouse, but it doesn't look like I'm going to find a spouse. I'll still trust God. I wanted children, but it doesn't look like we're going to have children. I will still trust God. I wanted a better job, but it doesn't look like I'm getting a better job. I will still trust God. I wanted a cooler kid, but I didn't get a cooler kid. I'm going to trust God with the kid that I got, right? I wanted better looks, but I don't have better looks, so I'm going to still trust God. If, 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 if it all doesn't go your way, is God enough. And if he's not, then you're saying you think your thoughts are better than God's thoughts, and your desires are better than God's desires, and your plans are better than God's plans. And that's not what it means to trust him. We believe in God because we need him, because he's God, because he's our maker, because he's bigger than us. And Habakkuk, after all the complaining and all the worry and all of that, and the answer from God and the bigger complaint, he ends this with prayer. He's unsettled, he prays. He's unsettled, he remembers. He's unsettled, and he trusts. Just listen to these words from him again. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. One of my favorite songs of all is The Solid Rock. It's hymn 406. Listen to these lyrics. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Listen, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. Listen to this right here. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. It's an old song, it's a good song, but it speaks directly to even if things are un. Settling. God settles me. Do you believe in Jesus like that? Do you trust him? Tonight at 6.30, the Super Bowl comes on, and I lost count of the Roman numerals. I don't know which Super Bowl this is. 
But we're told that there will be over 100 million people watching in the United States alone. We're told that out of the 195 countries in the world, that at least 180 of them will be showing the Super Bowl from the USA. There are a lot of eyes on the Super Bowl tonight, aren't there? A lot of eyes. And I can't wait to watch it myself. I sure hope that Tom Brady and the Patriots lose. (laughs) And I don't know anything about the Rams. I just want the Patriots to lose. But I know the Super Bowl is a big deal. I know a lot of people will be watching. But hear me. 100 million people, 180 countries. Soon and very soon. Seven and a half billion people. That's everybody. In the 195 countries, that's everybody. We'll be watching the sky. Because Jesus is coming back. And at that moment, please listen to me. He will be the only thing that will settle you. If you think you're unsettled now with the issues in this life, imagine how unsettled you'll be you did not worship God and all of his goodness towards you. That's unsettling. On Sunday mornings, I like to get up and have coffee and read a little bit of my Bible before I start getting ready. And this morning, Noah was up early. He's often the one that's up and early. And I'm sitting there drinking some coffee, and he's sitting there, and he's begging to play video games. And for some reason, I didn't let him today, and we just got to talking. I started asking Noah. I said, Noah, are you saved? Do you love Jesus? Do you know him? Do you follow him? Are you sure? How do you know? Because it's unsettling to think of people that have no regard for him. Habakkuk shows us here what settles us. When we're unsettled, we pray. When we're unsettled, we remember what God is like, a good and faithful God. And by his grace, through his son Jesus' work, we trust. May we be a people, a family, a church, of those settled down because of God. And may that be our witness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know that you are the answer. Habakkuk, in just short three chapters, shows us that. You have settled him down. He says, yet I will rejoice in you. Very, very much so unsettled, praying in wrath, remember mercy, but settled down by you. Oh, Father, I pray that you would do that work in all of our hearts. Father, settle us down, we pray.
In Jesus' name, amen.